Our New Testament passage today begins a new book. It's like opening a new Christmas package every time we get to open a new book of the Bible. We're seeing Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, one of the churches that he started on that first great tour through the Macedonian province on his second world tour. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. So here's Timothy, his son in the faith, with him again. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. He said, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. All right, here's the prayer life of a spiritual leader. The prayer life of a spiritual leader. You give thanks to the people. You give thanks to God for the people. You're always thanking God for the people. Always mentioning the people in prayer. Now, now that is how the prayer life of a spiritual leader should look. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the beautiful faith, hope, love triangle again. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. All right? That's me. Sometimes I, I like to do those, that's me. Okay? That, that's me. Loved by God. You, you need, sometimes when you need the Bible, you just need to remember how God feels about you. For we know, brothers, loved by God. I like that. That he has chosen you. I like that. That's me. That's you. He's chosen you. God didn't just adopt you because he had to. He chose you. You are chosen. This helps your self-esteem and your self-worth to realize it doesn't matter how people treat you. You're loved by God and you're chosen by God. Because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Uh, now here's, here's a real move of God. Here's a real move of God for salvation. Came to you with the word. That's the message of the gospel. Came to you with power. There's miracles. Came to you in the Holy Spirit. And came to you with full conviction. Now there's a real move of God for salvation. It's not just a, an intellectual thing that's going on. There's... There's something deeper going on. And you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Ah, now folks, please let me just highlight this. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. All right, so the motive for your sake, the lifestyle. He said, now listen. He said, our lifestyle is motivated for your sake. See, there's many things that pastors do, and there's many, many challenges that we have to learn to live with, and things that we do without, because he said, listen, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. He said, listen, we, we lived this way for your sake. Now, 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 just let that settle in for a while. Pastors live the lives they live with the lifestyle that they live and proving 
what kind of men they were. For your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now notice, not just imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word of God in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes, you know, uh, the persecution comes to you too when you get saved. And he said, you know what? You, you received it in power, the word, and Holy Spirit, full conviction, but you also received it with much affliction. So sometimes the message of salvation comes with some persecution. But he said, you still had the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now Achaia would include Athens and Corinth. Now notice a, a threefold stage of this. He said, first, spiritual leaders were the example for your sake. He said, and then you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Of us and of the Lord. Thirdly, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, two great provinces of the Roman Empire, this church became the example of. So Paul said, listen, I laid down an example for your sake. You became an imitator of us and of the Lord, and then you became the example for the other believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So lifestyle replicated. He said, you replicated the lifestyle. That's good work. Not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. All right, so they were waiting for the rapture. Chapter 2, verse 1. So, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated in Philippi, now remember, Thessalonica is Paul's second stop. In Philippi, he's arrested for no good reason. He's put not just in jail, he's put in, the Greek brings out, he's, he's put into the death chamber, all right, where they just strap you down to die. And an earthquake, God sets them free. He said, you know how we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know. We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict because the persecution of the Jews followed him to Thessalonica. In fact, remember he got thrown out of Thessalonica too and went on to Berea. For our appeal, now here's Paul's, this is Paul's appeal. Appeal for salvation. He said, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. All right, now he said, listen, when it comes to my presentation of the gospel, he said, there's no error, there's no impurity, and there's no attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests the hearts. All right? So God, the tests of God refer to the heart. When you, you talk about God tested us, 
New covenant, God tests the hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is our witness. All right. He said, we didn't come and play sip-sip. He said, we, were, we weren't trying to become popular. He said, we're, we're not celebrity preachers that, that know how to, to present ourselves. And he said, we didn't come with a pretext for greed. He said, we didn't come into you trying to just get money from you. He said, God is our witness. He said, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. All right, so could and did, not the same. He said, we could have made demands. Just like as a pastor, I could make demands of you as a pastor. But he said, we didn't do that. He said, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul said, listen. He said, we, we gave you our lives, not just the gospel, but we, we shared our life with you because you'd become really special to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor, he said, now listen, remember. You remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden of any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of Christ. This is the first place that Paul really started to work because he'd run out of money. They'd been a long time out of Antioch of Assyria. They'd gone all through the Galatian Peninsula and then God led them to come across the Troas. They went through Philippi. By the time they got out of Philippi and Thessalonica, they'd run out of money. He said, but you know what? We work night and day not to be a burden to any of you. He said, and brothers and sisters, remember. Remember pastors who work hard. They're, they're pastors who work hard are very different than those who come with flattery and uh, a pretext for greed. He said, that's not what we were among you. You are witnesses, and God also, about how holy, righteous, and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, all right, we exhorted each one of you, and we encouraged you, and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, there is the work of a spiritual leader. Now, notice we see the motives of spiritual leadership up here. We, we see the acts of spiritual leadership up here. But now notice the work of a spiritual leader. Exhortation, encouragement, and charging God's people. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Amen. And we must. 
Testament passage today picks up in Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 17. Remember, this is the weeping prophet weeping over Judah and Israel for all of their sins before they go into captivity. Chapter 9, beginning with verse 17. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Now, I like that. This is God's title. I keep bringing it up to you. It's a beautiful thought. Consider all this and call for mourners. Send for the women who mourn at funerals. Quick, begin your weeping. Let the tears flow from your eyes. Hear the people of Jerusalem crying in despair. We are ruined. We are completely humiliated. We must leave our land because our homes have been torn down. Listen, you women, to the words of the Lord. Open your ears to what he has to say. Teach your daughters to wail. Teach one another how to lament. For death has crept in through our windows and entered our mansions. It has killed off the flower of our youth. Children no longer play in the streets, and young men no longer gather in the squares. This is what the Lord says. Bodies will be scattered across the fields like clumps of manure, like bundles of grain after the harvest. No one will be left to bury them. This is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom. Or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But let those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. And here's one of the rare times it says, I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, brothers and sisters, that's an incredible word. Let those who wish to boast, boast in this alone. Number one, that they truly know me. 
Number two, that they understand that I am Lord, the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. Number three, the God who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And number four, that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, in a time of judgment, he says, this is what you need to understand. You need to understand that you need to know me, not just your idols. You need to understand that I'm the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. Now, he said, you need to know this in the season of just judgment. In the season of judgment, it's kind of hard to see the unfailing love of God. But he said, you need to boast in that. A time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all who are circumcised in the body, but not in spirit. <laughs> now, you wonder where Paul gets a lot of his teaching on circumcision versus uncircumcision. You're beginning to see this. He said, listen, circumcision or uncircumcision, it's irrelevant. This circumcision in the body, he said, I'm going to punish those who are circumcised in their bodies, but not in spirit. The Egyptians, the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the people who live in the desert of remote places, and yes, even the people of Judah. So it's not just Judah who circumcised themselves. The Egyptians did. The Edomites did. Remember the Edomites from Esau? The Ammonites, the Moabites, who came from the descendants of Lot with his illicit affairs with his daughters. Okay. All of this, he said, a lot of people circumcise themselves, but circumcision in the body is not, is not, is not relevant. You, you, you wonder where Paul gets all of this. Paul was a student of the law and the prophets. Chapter 10, verse 1. Well, let me finish this. And like all these pagan nations, the people of Israel also have uncircumcised hearts. How often do you see Paul talking in Galatians and in Romans about circumcision of the heart? Ah. See, when you begin to study the Old Testament, you begin to understand the New Testament. I mean, you see, you see all the failings back there taken care of and cleaned up in the New Testament. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O Israel, chapter 10, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Do not act like other nations. Okay, so stop the imitation. You need to stop trying to be like the rest of the world. And Christians, God would speak that to us today. Stop trying to be like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to try to look like the world. We're supposed to be like Christ, all right? He says, stop. Do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Excuse me, folks. You need to get rid of the astrology stuff. Forgive me, but straight up, you need to get rid of all that astrology stuff. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had people sit down and say, Pastor Samara, when were you born? And so I told them. And they opened up this book. This was a business person. And they said, you are a fire monkey. And at first I got kind of insulted. I mean, I've been called a white monkey by people for years, but I've never been called a fire monkey. But I kind of bristled at monkey. And then this business person said, and I'm a fire rat. Well, they were a banker, and all I could think of was my father saying, paying interest to a bank is like putting money down a rat hole. And when they said that, I just started laughing and laughing. Now, brothers and sisters, there are people of this world who live their life by these feng shui and the, these astrology charts. 
But God said, do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. He said, their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. Now here's your idol. It started as a tree. They decorate it with gold and silver and then fasten it securely with hammer and nails so that it won't <laughs> so that it won't fall over. <laughs> God's just having fun with this. He said their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They need to be carried because they cannot walk. Okay, so you got to, you know, <laughs> idols can't talk. You need to walk your idols. <laughs> he said, don't be afraid of such gods, for they can neither harm you nor do you any good. He said, they're just a block of wood. <laughs> Lord, there is no one like you, for you are great, and your name is full of power. Who would not fear you, O King of Nations? That title belongs to you alone. All right, a title for God. King of Nations, that title belongs to you alone. Among all the wise people of the earth and in all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you. People who worship idols, <laughs> okay, you're not going to like this, but people who worship idols are stupid and foolish. God said that. These things they worship are made of wood. They bring beaten sheets of silver from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz, and they give these materials to skilled craftsmen who make their idols. So, all right, these idols are made Okay. So rather than be creative, they are created. Let me say that again. Rather than be creative, these idols have no power, they are created. They dress these gods in royal blue and purple robes made by expert tailors. So they dress in royalty. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. All right, so idols are dead. God is alive. Idols are dressed in royalty. God is king. Do you see the difference? The whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. Say to those who worship other gods, your so-called gods who did not make the heavens and the earth, will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. All right, so idols are not creative. We've already talked about that. But the Lord made the earth by his power. So God is created. And he preserves it by his own wisdom. So God creates and God preserves. With his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens. When he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends lightning with rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. <laughs> wow. The craftsmen are disgraced by the idols that they make. For they carefully shaped works are a fraud. So idols 
equal fraud. These idols have no breath, no power. They are worthless. They are ridiculous lies. On the day of reckoning, they will all be destroyed. But the God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel, his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. Here's God's title. So Jeremiah is comparing and contrasting the real God with all these you know, pieces of wood that were turned and dressed up and made into gods. He said, our God is no idol. He's the creator of everything that exists, including Israel. Pack your bags and prepare to leave. The siege is about to begin, but this is what the Lord says. Suddenly, I will fling out all of you who live in this land, and I will pour great troubles upon you, and at last you will feel my anger. My wound is severe, and my grief is great. My sickness is incurable, but I must bear it. My home is gone. And no one is left to help me rebuild it. My children have been taken away, and I will never see them again. The shepherds of my people have lost their senses. All right, so here's spiritual leaders. They've lost their senses. Preachers who just brain dead. They no longer seek wisdom from the Lord, all right? So preachers in their day no longer prayed. Therefore, they fail completely and their flocks are scattered. All right, now here's a prayerless pastor. A prayerless pastor, number one, no longer seeks wisdom from the Lord. A prayerless pastor fails in what they do. A prayerless pastor has scattered flocks. This is what God says. Listen, hear the terrifying roar of great armies as they roll down from the north. The towns of Judah will be destroyed and become a haunt for jackals. I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. (laughs) Jeremiah's prayer, that we are not able to plan our own course. No, God has a plan. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. Now, I've prayed this prayer a few times in my life. Lord, I don't know what to do. Correct me. But gently, (laughs) sometimes we need to ask God to correct us. A prayer for correction. Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you on the peoples that do not call out your name. For they have devoured your people, Israel. They have devoured and consumed them, making a land a desolate wilderness. Chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah, and he said, Remind the people of Judah and Jerusalem about the terms of my covenant with them. Say to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Cursed is anyone who does not obey the terms of my covenant. Now, this is going back to Deuteronomy 28. They stood on one side and blesses and curses, remember? He said, remind them of this. For I said to your ancestors when I brought them out of an iron smelting furnace of Egypt, if you obey me and do whatever I command you, then you will be my people and I will be your God. 
I said this so that I could keep my promise to your ancestors to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, the land you live in today. All right, he said, now listen, I, I kept my part of the promise. But I want you to notice, promises often have conditions. He said, if, then. Then I replied, amen, Lord, may it be so. Then the Lord said, broadcast this message in the streets of Jerusalem. Go from town to town throughout the land and say, remember the ancient covenant and do everything it requires. For solemnly I warned your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, obey me. I have repeated this warning over and over to this day. But your ancestors did not listen or even pay attention. Instead, they stubbornly followed their own evil desires. Now listen, folks, there are many Christians that get into the same situation today. God warns them, God reminds them, but they stubbornly follow their own evil desires. And because they refused to obey, I brought upon them all the curses described in this covenant. Again, we're looking at Deuteronomy 28. Again, the Lord spoke to me and said, I have discovered a conspiracy against me among the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Wow. A conspiracy against God by his own people. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors. They have refused to listen to me and are worshiping other gods. Israel and Judah have both broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I am going to bring calamity upon them, and they will not escape. Though they beg for mercy, I will not listen to their cries. I never want to get myself in a place like that with God. I, I, we all screw up, folks, but I never want to get into a place where when I beg for mercy, God says, I'm not going to listen to your cries. Man, you've had to really push God a long way to get God to that point. Then the people of Judah and Jerusalem will pray to their idols and burn incense before them. But the idols will, but the idols will not save them. All right, so they go, God failed. Let's try the idols. You know, I've watched people do that. I've watched people come into a service and, and have their child prayed for who's sick and then turn right around and go to the quack doctors. Folks, you don't try God. You believe God. Look now, people of Judah. You have as many gods as you have towns. You have many altars of shame, altars for burning incense to your God Baal, as there are streets in Jerusalem. Pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them, for I will not listen to them when they cry out in distress. Cry out to me in distress. Wow. God stops listening. Folks, you never want to get so stubborn in your heart toward God that he stops listening. I know we all mess up. and Thank God for forgiveness. But you never want to get so stubborn with God that God stops listening. What right do my beloved people have to come into my temple when they have done so many immoral things. Now notice, they still wanted religious ceremony. They still wanted to come into the temple. He said, but, but what right? What right do they have? Can their vows and sacrifices 
prevent their destruction? He said they actually rejoice in doing evil. They think it's a party. They think it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. And then just bring some vows and bring some money and it's all okay. God said it doesn't work like that. I, the Lord, once called them a thriving olive tree, beautiful to see and full of fruit. But now I have sent the fury of their enemies to burn them with fire, leaving them charred and broken. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, who planted this olive tree, have ordered it destroyed. He ordered Israel destroyed. Israel and Judah combined. Israel as a totality. He ordered it destroyed. And it was. For the people of Israel and Judah have done evil, arounding my anger by burning incense to Baal. Brothers and sisters, you and I have the most loving God that, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was going to say that we could ever believe, but we can't comprehend how loving he is. But at the same time, he is a jealous God. And he does not want our hearts lifted up to idolatry. Now, in, in today's world, we may not worship things of wood and stone, but you know, an idol is anything you lift your soul up to, anything that you put above God, anything that you look to as your source above God. Brothers and sisters, he's a jealous God. He wants your love for him and him alone. That's something to remember. All right, we're going to pick up again tonight in the book of Romans. We'll see you at 7 o'clock.